as more things get automated, as technology does take on more roles and more tasks and things like that, the shift will be towards people. The shift will be towards social and community initiatives. It will be towards people-focused roles and people-focused work and we'll be able to actually improve the experiences of people and spend more time focusing on that when a lot of the grunt work, the menial tasks are being done by technology. There are opportunities for our work and careers everywhere, if you know where to look. That's easier said than done, especially in our fast-paced and constantly changing world. Marianne Fairmouth is talking to experts, employers, and job seekers to bring you insight and understanding about what's possible. This is Career Can Do, where we're navigating the new work world. Welcome to the Career Can Do podcast, a top global podcast that allows you to navigate the new work world. Today, we have a guest all the way from the land down under Australia. Lana Hamilton is the founder and CEO of Passion Pioneers and the creator of leading successful change programs. Lana has worked with some of Australia's biggest companies and developed her own style of inspiring change leadership. She believes it doesn't matter where you started. It's where you are going and the lives you change along the way that count. I love that. So with that incredibly long introduction, and without further ado, help me welcome Lana Hamilton. Lana, say hello to everybody. Hi, everyone. Hey, Marianne. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. You know, Australia is on my bucket list. I've always wanted to go. I often frequent restaurants that serve Australian kind of suits. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to take the trip. But You do a lot with change management. And as an executive recruiter for over 35 years, I know that's big, big, big in center right now. So tell us, what do you think is traditional change management and how is inspirational change leadership more valuable for workplaces today? Yeah, I mean, look, if you've been... (laughs) You've been recruiting for over 30 years. Like, I think you've probably seen the shift yourself, Marianne. The world has really changed. The workplaces have really changed. Our businesses have really changed. Change management was probably about 20, 25 years old, sort of as a discipline or as a profession. And so what I can kind of see, I mean, I wasn't probably like practicing back then, but it was probably very traditional in terms of the fact that like you could really plan out change really well. You could pace your change with your projects or most change management is done in project work. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what change management is, I love to define things really simply. I just say it's moving people from doing things in one way in an organization to doing things in a new way in an organization. And we do that through communications, training and business readiness. And we don't just do it for the fun of it. We do it in order to realize the business benefits of the change. We do it in order to make sure that the project or the initiative that we have started in the organization and that we have big hopes for and big dreams for and we want to get great results from, that we actually get those results and we actually follow through on them. So a lot of change was sort of in line with a lot of projects that were done in a very planned fashion. If we're thinking about methodologies, we kind of call it waterfall, where you could plan it all and then deliver it all in sort of like a really strategic and sequential approach. So then the change that would go with that, the change management that would go with that could be very methodical follow the bouncing ball and follow the change process. But if COVID's taught us anything, if the last few years has taught us anything, it's that change is really, really coming at a very fast pace, can come overnight. Things can change 
along the timeline of the project or along the timeline of the change and that we don't necessarily have the time or the ability anymore to actually be able to plan out our change management, follow that sequential process. Instead, we need to be adding value really quickly. We need to be using practical tools that are actually going to help our leaders and our teams get real results and be able to inspire them from the inside out to accept change, engage with change and move forward into the future. I agree. And I think somebody famous once said, the only constant is change. There's never been more change than I've seen post-COVID. There's change in almost every area and people are struggling with it. So Lana, you always say that change managers are like matchmakers. Can you explain more of that? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So what a lot of people think of when they think of change management is the output of change management. They think of like the tools and the templates and I am always encouraging people to use fit for purpose tools and templates, whatever's the most useful in the moment right there and then, what's going to add the most value no matter where you are in the project or where you are in the change process. So a lot of people see that as the output of change management, but really where change management brings a lot of value to projects, to organizations and to leaders is about being able to see across teams and across organizations, building relationships, building connections with people maybe in different projects or in different teams that might not be necessarily exactly related or relevant to what it is that the personal change manager is working on right there and then. But instead going broader because we really want to understand what are the impacts of this change across the organization. And so we then can meet and mingle with people from everywhere. And then we might identify that actually people in our project or stakeholders actually need to be having conversations and talking with these other people. These cross-functional relationships might have always needed to happen or these cross-functional conversations might have always needed to happen, but they haven't been happening. And sometimes like we'll just put people together almost like a blind date. (laughs) Sort of matchmaking in that way. And I think you said something very, very, very significant among many other things you've said, but you said that change is about building connection. And I think project managers, change management professionals are much more likely to be successful if they build those connections, if they focus on the human element, if they try to not just come in and say, this is where it's going to be and this is what we're going to do, but ask for input, have those connections and make people feel important, make people feel like their input is important and matters. So you've mentioned to me in the blue room that in Australia, you're seeing a big shift in the transformation and project space towards flashy roles. What do you mean by that? What are those? And what should employers and talent consider? Yeah, so I kind of like coined this term slashy role. If you've ever seen the movie Zoolander, it kind of like comes out from there where he's like an actor slash model. And I think what it is, it's just this real trend now because jobs are changing so quickly, workplaces are changing so quickly. We have to really kind of rethink job design Now, actually in the recruitment space, especially in the project and transformation space, we're seeing a lot of these slashy roles where people might have more than one skill set and background. So they might be a project manager slash change manager. They might be engagement slash comms. And so there is this real kind of push towards actually having roles where you're playing two functions and they might be equal. They might be some percentage on this side, some percentage on this side. But with those functions, that they're being hired in order to do both. And there's like a lot of benefits for organizations, for employers around this. Obviously, you get great talent, people who have multidisciplinary backgrounds. You are then able to save budget. You can use those people at different points of time 
for whatever is relevant and needed at that particular moment. But what I would also say is there are a few watchouts as well. So there's a few wins, but then there's also a few watchouts. A few watchouts is just that sometimes when you are trying to hire these people with these slashy roles where it might be like something slash something, and they are actually two full roles, it can wear both of the roles down thin where you might not be getting the most you need out of both of those sides because somebody's trying to bridge both. And then you just also really need to be careful as well because if you hire somebody and they aren't there to do the rest of the role. So for example, say you've hired a project slash change manager, the project finishes, so the project manager role, but then the change manager role would usually need to continue a bit longer. But if they're not around, then you might not be able to do that. And then you can also just disengage key talent as well if you are using them for tasks that they actually don't want to do or aren't good for doing. I think your points are very well taken. In the United States, we have a unprecedented talent shortage. We don't have the people. Because of that, we need people to go into these roles and consider transitional skills, skill sets that are transferable, that people can do more than just one thing. Also, maybe a little bit of training on the job. Is that the same in Australia? Do you have a talent shortage in Australia or are you not finding that as a problem there? At the moment, we probably are having a bit of disruption in workplaces. So there is a lot of restructures, operating model changes. We've got some industries in Australia where we're really struggling to find talent because Australia was closed for a long time during COVID. So things like construction, hospitality, but then we've got other industries where there's so much change happening. They are really hiring a lot of people. And then because of these restructures and operating model changes, there's all of the teams that are needed to come in and support that. So I'd say it's a bit of a mix, Marianne. But yeah, I think it's just like really think about what are the skills, what are the outcomes that you need and hire appropriately for those. Okay. And I think technology is definitely having a big impact on the world of work. Do you think, in your opinion, in your global area, that the human element is still relevant? Absolutely. I think as a change manager, that's what we do. We focus on the people. So while everybody else in the project is often very, very busy with the technology or very, very busy with whatever the solution is, change can be used for anything, can be used for a new technology or a new process or a new team structure, anything that happens in an organization. You can use change management, but really change management is all about the people. And I think that there's this idea that if you bring in a new technology, people will just adopt it instantly that they will just accept it, they will just start using it, they will just love it because it's so shiny and it's so good and you've been sold to that it's got all of these benefits, but people need to be taken on the journey and that the people can actually be the ones that make or break the change. They oh, can be the so. ones that make or break the project. Oh, I think so. You know, I just had a candidate the other day, didn't have every single thing that the client wanted. The candidate was lacking a few skills, but because of that candidate utilizing that human element personality aspect of going in and saying that client I don't have everything on this job description, but let me tell you what I do have. I have the desire and passion and dedication to learn what I don't know on my own. I'm going to take it upon myself to learn this other area here that's important to you that I don't have experience in, but I have 75% of what you're looking for. So if I go on my own and learn this other, I certainly hope you will consider me. And they call me back and said, you know what? We're going to hire that person because well, you sent me somebody over and everything, but they didn't have the attitude. They didn't have the caring, the dedication, the wanting to please, the wanting to serve our client. And that's what's important. Absolutely. And what I'd say is as more things get automated, as technology does take on more roles and more tasks and things like that, the shift will be towards people. 
The shift will be towards social and community initiatives. It will be towards people-focused roles and people-focused work and we'll be able to actually improve the experiences of people and spend more time focusing on that when a lot of the grunt work, the menial tasks are being done by technology. All right. And something else I want to talk to you about, and I think this aspect that I'm about to talk to you about is helping me keep L'Oreal in business because it's giving me more gray hairs. And that is remote as opposed to in the office. Do you think you can lead change remotely or is it better to be in the office? I think it's a very, very topical question right now. Look, it's a lot easier to lead change in the office. It is easier to lead it when you have those face-to-face moments, especially in the moment, because when things are changing, it isn't your normal way of operating. When things are stable, when you've got just normal business as usual operations, having a virtual team, having a remote team is a lot easier. And you can use that time to set up the rhythms and set up the culture for when things are going to change, which will probably be very soon, potentially tomorrow, (laughs) change will come knocking on your door. But it is, it is a lot easier. Humans are people, people. We love that social connection. And because there's so much happening during change, you can build a lot of trust, build a lot of relationships. You don't have to be in the office 100% of the time. A hybrid can absolutely work. But finding those key moments, bringing in those key moments when people can come together, when they can have that connection. And if you are 100% virtual, I love to say creating connected experiences. So find ways to help people build those one-to-one connections or those social connections during the virtual experience and find ways to make it immersive, find ways to bring in sight, sound, taste, touch as part of your virtual experience because that is what we need in order to be able to transform our minds and our hearts to be able to accept and embed change. I agree with that. In the United States, it's just a constant battle. Candidates want to work remote. And customers and clients are saying, companies are saying, no, we want them in the office. And I think the solution might be hybrid. Maybe they have Fridays off or they work a four-day work week and have every other Friday off or maybe have a Mondays and Fridays off or something they work at home from home. But I do think that sense of connection, that human element is even more important now. It does facilitate change management in a more positive way. I'm not a change management leader. You are, of course. But I think at the end of the day, people that hire people that care about others, that want to make a contribution, that really want to come in and work in a way that's going to affect that bottom line, going to help them expand their platform, that's almost sometimes more important than having exact experience. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to put a social worker in an accountant job. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the skill set is important, but also the transitional skills and the human element and the attitude is probably just as important these days. Absolutely. And I think I am hearing a lot of feedback from people in my communities and things like that where they are feeling disconnected. They're not feeling that fulfillment. They're feeling really isolated actually at home. And so that hybrid approach where, yeah, you have some time working remotely where you might do more like focused work. And then you also have times where you actively come together, where you actively go into the office or you actively meet with people. In order to have that human connection, like that is actually something that we need in our soul. It's something that we need as humans to be able to connect with other people. And so much of that comes through our body language. So much of that comes through the energy that is conveyed when you are meeting face-to-face rather than meeting through a screen. So I think it is hard. I think there is a balance to be made. And I think there probably needs to be a little bit of leeway, both on the side of hiring managers and employers and recruiters 
as well as on the side of talent and negotiate and meet in the middle is probably what I would recommend. Well, it sounds like the ways things are happening in Australia are not that different than the way they're happening in the U.S. We touched upon this before. What do you think the best way is to learn fit for purpose practical skills for the future of work? If I kind of was reflecting back over like the last couple of decades, there was a real push to kind of go and do like university degrees and certificates and and postgraduate work and college degrees and things, which I absolutely still agree with. Like I think having that foundation of tertiary education, of higher, higher education is absolutely a great way to start your career. But nowadays it's like the pace of change is so fast. There's so much happening in workplaces. There's so many initiatives and so many projects and so much that needs to happen. What organizations are looking for is somebody who can come in and deliver results really quickly, who can add value really quickly, who can use their skills in various ways and pick and choose from all of the approaches, tools and techniques that they have to add value in the moment and do what's right and relevant at that time. So sometimes it might be that you actually do more of a short course. It might be that you actually do something that is maybe like six to 12 weeks where you can literally learn practical skills that you like I've got students and they learn something in my course then the next day they like I just applied it the next day that I think is so powerful so rather than spending years potentially trying to get a graduate certificate or something like that it's like what can you do to make yourself more employable now by building those practical relevant real world industry skills as fast as you can so that you can start applying them getting confident with them and adding value as quickly as possible because that's what's going to shine that's what's going to get you the next role. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because just the other day, I had a guy that had every single thing the client wanted. Every single box was checked, but he did not have a four-year degree and he was eliminated. And it's really sad because some of the people that they looked at with degrees didn't have the context, didn't have the experience he had. But because they had this hard and fast rule about degrees, he was totally eliminated. And I think that it is starting to shift. It is starting to change. People are starting to be open to it. But hopefully it'll get a little bit more popular in the future. But I'm glad you said that because I do think experiential learning sometimes is even more powerful than formal or degrees or master's degrees. Although I applaud anybody that'll work hard to get those degrees because it's hard to get a degree these days, especially if you have to work, go to school at night. But it's not the only way. Experiential learning sometimes is also very, very good. And also, if you are a person that is a relationship person and you have contacts, maybe you have to learn a little bit more about the products. Maybe you have to learn a little bit more about execution of the deal or whatever. But if you have those people that you've worked with in the past that trust you, that believe in you, and you can bring those customers with you to your new company, you're going to walk in the door with ka-ching, ka-ching for that company, as opposed to somebody with all these great degrees. It's going to take them two years to get those, those results. Absolutely. And what I would also say is be smart about it. Like if you need to have that degree or that certificate in order to be able to legally work in your field, definitely get those certifications or those licenses or whatever it is. And then if you want to do the theory, the models, the concepts, the research, that's where college is really great. Like if you've got that foundation already, like you can go and do that. But if you really want to learn like fit for purpose, practical skills, application, tools, templates, and techniques, start looking at 
alternative training providers and start looking at shorter things where you can really just start to learn those things and add value straight away is probably going to serve you better. Okay. Well, I think you've given us so much good information and I'm just thrilled to have a person on Career Can Do from the Down Under from Australia. I just think this is so exciting. And Lada, you just sparkle with charisma and you seem to really care about what you do and care about people. So I always like to leave our listeners with two salient points that they can take with them that's going to really help them move forward in the new work world. If I had to ask you, being a pro in the global market segment, what do you think are two salient points you could offer our listeners? At the moment, where the world is going is there is still a lot of disruption. There is still a lot happening, but you can absolutely future-proof yourself and future-proof your career. And I think that the path to do that is really through confidence. So just building up your own confidence and building up your own internal sense of self-worth and what you can bring to the table, who you are, what you value, what you can bring to the table and what you want. And then what I would also say is that in terms of like really kind of thinking about where you want to go and what you want to do, it's that change is inevitable. Embrace it, lead it, be the person who wants to lead change, be the person who's willing to accept it and be at the forefront because people will follow you and you can absolutely be a leader in your own right. Okay. Well, I think those are two great points. And if my listeners want to get a hold of you, now I'll have all this information also on my website, fairmouth.com. If they want to call you or connect with you directly, how do they do that? Yeah. So you can absolutely reach out to me via my website, so latahamilton.com. I've actually got a free creative launch ideas guide. So if you go to latahamilton.com slash launch, you can download that for free. It's got 53 ways to creatively bring your change or transformation to life. And you can always come follow me, find me on LinkedIn. I'm under Lata Hamilton and I would love to connect with you there. Well, I think you're amazing. And I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. You know, what I've gotten from this anyway is no matter where we are, where we live, people are people. And we all need to have that human element to have that sense of connectivity to really care about what we're doing in others to get positive results. So this is Career Can Do. My name is Marianne Fairmouth. We so appreciate you listening to our episode. We'll see y'all next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. We thank you for tuning in to our Career Can Do podcast. We make no guarantees on results for your particular quest, but we hope you enjoy the information presented. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely that of the guest or speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Marianne Fairmouth and Fairmouth and Company. Thank you.